welcome everyone to Murrayville Baptist Church. Let's all stand. I want to say as you're standing, I want to thank every one of you for being here this morning. Thank all of our visitors for coming to Murrayville Baptist Church. It is our, our prayer and our desire that when we gather in this place that Jesus would manifest himself to every one of us. He's big enough to do that. Well, two of y'all believe that. He's big enough to do that. Amen. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to ask Brother Joe Haynes, if he will, to open us. Remain standing page 240. When the trumpet of the Lord says seven times to be no more, and the morning breaks turn all right away, when the sailors shall gather over on the other shore, and the road is over yonder, I'll be Standing page 150. When I was Yeah. 
Lord have mercy. Y'all going to make me earn my keep today, aren't you? If you're glad to be in the house of God this morning, say amen. 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 Good to see all of you this morning. Let me make some quick announcements and uh, we'll get on with our service. On the first Sunday night of next month, March, I think Brother Josh told me that would be the 5th of March. We'll be having youth night here at the church that night service at 5 o'clock. And we've got a special, a special person that's going to bring the message that night. Brother Josh Jackson is going to bring the message to our young people. So you be sure to be back with us on that first Sunday of March. Uh, <clears throat> on February the 25th, the youth are going to take a trip to Scaly Mountain to do some snow tubing. So if you're interested in that, please see Brother Mike about that. Then on March the 11th, Men's Top Golf will be leaving the church. Uh, men are going to Top Golf, and they'll be leaving the church at 2 o'clock that afternoon and just have a good time of fellowship together. I do have a, a thank you card from me and Miss Deb. It says, Dear Church Family, thank you so much for the generous gift and the anniversary party last Sunday night. It's hard to believe we've been here at Merville Baptist for 22 years. We are truly blessed with the best church family. Thank you for blessing our lives in so many ways. And Brother John and Miss Debbie, and we do thank every one of you for being so good to us. Y'all heard me last Sunday night, but I had a request to do this song too, so y'all pray for me as I try to sing. And I was gonna I was gonna let all the men know that if you wanna go to Top Golf, you don't have to play golf. If you just wanna go and have time of fellowship with us and eat with us, you can do that. You don't have to play golf, but uh we'd appreciate all the men that could to go with us and be a part of that. Well, life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But then things change and you're down in the valley. Well, don't lose faith, child. Well, that's when our faith is really good. 
Thank you, Brother Terry. And it is true, the same God when you're on the mountains, the God when you're down in that valley. Kind of get a witness right there. Amen. Jonah chapter number one this morning. Jonah chapter number one. When you find that little book, it's right beside Amos and Andy. <laughs> right beside Obadiah. If I told you to find Obadiah, none of y'all know where that is either. So I promise you Jonah's in the book. It's in the Old Testament. I'll give you a hint. When you find that passage of Scripture, if you'll stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Jonah chapter number 1 this, this morning. I do want to thank all of you that uh, prayed for us while we were going to South Georgia to preach a meeting. Uh, had a three-day meeting, and I mean it was just so full of God every meeting. And I appreciate the Lord letting us be a part of that. Had, had a, one that I know of got saved. And uh, uh, the preacher, Brother Joe Chancey, had me to open the service uh, that first Monday night. We drove all day Monday getting down there. That Monday night he called me from the floor to come up and preach. And I preached that message on neglected gifts that I've preached here. And God mightily used that message while we were there to open that service. And it was just a, a tremendous time of, of preaching and, and God doing a work in all of our hearts. And uh, just thankful for all of you that prayed for us while we were gone. But I'm back. J.D. is back. Amen. Jonah chapter number one. We want to look at some, uh, most of the verses out of this chapter going to read the first 16 verses. There's one, there'll be one verse left, but uh, that's for maybe another message. Jonah chapter number one. And as we read through this, I'm preaching with this thought in mind on the sympathetic nature of God. The sympathetic or merciful, long-suffering nature of God. Watch with us as we read the text this morning. It says it like this. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. That's something that every person in this world needs to understand. God notices what we do. God sees what we do. And the wickedness... That any one of us may be involved in, God knows all about it. It says, verse number three, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Look at this phrase. From the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea. So that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid. And cried every man unto his God. And cast forth the wares that were in the ship. Into the sea. To lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship. And he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, for if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. 
And they said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. We'll leave off reading right there. With that reading, again, I want to Bring just a thought to all of our hearts this morning and pray that God had used me to get this thought across to all of us on the sympathetic nature of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father this morning, Lord, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for this time that you've allotted us, Lord, to be able to come together in the wonderful holy name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we do, Lord, we gather ourselves around this blessed book that you've preserved for us down through the ages. We can hold and have the Word of God in our hands and in our heart. I pray that by the Word of God that you'd work mightily, that you'd move in this service, and may the Spirit of God stir every one of us uh, of what fashion we need it stirred. Lord, you know all hearts that's in this room, and I pray there be not one, Lord, that'd be able to walk out of this room without you having met with that heart. We love you and thank you and adore you now. For it's in Jesus' name and for his merciful sake we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Jonah is a short book of the Bible. Only four chapters, 48 verses it's named and dubbed as one of the minor prophets. But it's not minor, it's not considered minor because, because of the message that it has, but it's considered minor because of the length of the book. There's several of those books in the, in the rear of the Old Testament that is known as the minor prophet section, and Jonah is one of them. The book of Jonah has been the subject of much criticism down through the ages. There's some that criticize it because they just cannot believe that a 
man was swallowed by a whale. They cannot believe the story that is contained in the book of Jonah. I'm reminded of the, of the story that was told of a, in a secular school. There was a teacher who was an atheist up there teaching the children. And there's nothing any worse that could happen to a child's life than an atheist to teach them. Can I get a witness right there? Well, this atheist teacher was teaching her lesson and, and the subject of Jonah and the whale came up. She made light of it. She made fun of it and, and doubted and cast doubt before the students that were with her. And, and she said, she made, she made uh, uh, light of the whole book of the book of Jonah. And she said, she said something to this. Let me put on my glasses so I can read this. She made light of it, and this little girl in the, in the schoolroom, she stood up, and she stood up in defense of the book of Jonah, and she said this, she said, when I get to heaven, I know I will meet Jonah and hear his story of, of the whale swallowing him. The flustered teacher, she said, but what if Jonah did not go to heaven but went to hell? The little girl said, well, then you ask him when you get there. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> the generation in Jesus' day, they doubted the story of Jonah. But Jesus Christ gave weight and credence to the, to the life of Jonah. And he quoted, uh, he quoted from Jonah and he also said this. It said, then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, and saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. And he said, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh for a sign. He said, But there shall be no sign given it, but the sign of Jonah and, and the, of the prophet Jonah. He said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. If you cannot believe the story of Jonah and the whale, you cannot believe, you cannot even fathom, begin to believe the story, the factual story of Jesus dying and, and being buried for three days and three nights and raising from the dead. Jonah is a, one of the, the amazing thing about the book of Jonah it doesn't concentrate so much on the message of Jonah, but rather the life of Jonah. The whole story, the whole outlay of the book covers what Jonah did, how he disobeyed God, how he tried to run from God. But the book of Jonah, from beginning to the very end, shows the sympathetic nature of God. His merciful, gracious kindness to every one of us. You know, I got to thinking about God's sympathetic nature in comparison to His wrathful nature. And He is both. He, let me say it like this. If you love flowers, you hate weeds. Can I get a witness right there? Well, that's God. He, he loves us, but He hates the sin that we commit. And God has not just a sympathetic nature about Him, but he's got a wrathful nature about him. And for him to express his wrath, he has to go through nothing. Just he pours out his wrath and there it is. But for God 
to show his kindness, for God to show his mercy, for God to express his goodness and grace to any person. God has to go through a lot to accomplish it. And we'll see some of that play out as we look at the book of Jonah, chapter number one. Jonah, the story of Jonah, is about God speaking and things obeying the voice of God. God spoke and a, the winds obeyed him. God spoke and a whale obeyed. God spoke and a worm obeyed. God spoke and a whole city, the city of Nineveh, obeyed God. But God spoke and the wayfaring prophet ran from God. You see, God speaks and God's voice can do one of two things in our lives. We can hear the voice of God and we all do. We all got two ears and we hear what God says. We can either obey it or we can disobey and disannul the, the voice of God in our lives. That's what Jonah did. He tried to run from the presence of God. In the book of in this book of the Bible, it clearly reveals the sympathetic and merciful and long-suffering nature of God. And all that he has to do and go through to express that sympathy toward us. It records some great things in it. And we read of one of those in this, in this text this morning. A great city by the name of Nineveh. I want us to consider this sympathetic nature of God this morning and look at the initiation of God. He told Jonah the, the very first word of the very first verse of this book says, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. God always makes the first move unto us. He is so merciful and kind and so good to us that God always makes that first move toward us. The Bible says that there's none good, no, not one. There's none, the Bible says, that seek after God. Can I say it like this? If you are seeking God, it's because God first sought you. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's not that us, we were looking for God, but God was looking for us. And thank God he was. Thank God God is a merciful and sympathetic God to every one of us. God has always made the first move. There's never been a missionary sin or a preacher sin, a church started or a person witnessed to or a person saved what it wasn't God making the first move toward that individual or place. From the very beginning of time, it has always been that way. In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. What were they doing? They were hiding behind the trees of God. They were hiding behind what God had put in their lives to bless them with. And there they were hiding. And God came looking for them. God has always made the first move in our lives. A great truth that we can all uh, lean upon and remember in our lives is if any of us do start looking for God, it's because God came looking for you first.
The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are ye saved. And he's raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ. The initiation was of God. It was this city that was, that was overtaken by sin. It was this city that their wickedness had come up before God. But God, in sympathetic love, made the first overture toward that city by speaking to Nineveh. But I want you to notice the second thing of God was his interest. It was that great city called Nineveh. It was a great city. That word great means high. It means mighty. It means proud. The Bible tells, or not the Bible, but history tells us that Nineveh was one of the greatest cities of this time. It was formed. It was one of the early settlements uh, in the Bible in Genesis chapter 10, verse 10. It said, tells us that Asher builded Nineveh. It was huge had 120,000 children in it. This city could well have been the population of over a million people in it. It was a great city. It was a proud city. It was a huge city. But it was wicked in the eyes of God. God was interested in that city. He was interested in what was going on in that city. Um, we might could apply it this way today. America is a great nation. Can I get a witness right there? But America's become a proud and a great nation in their own eyes. There's never been a nation who has, who has bragged about themselves more than the nation of America. Every time I'm a flag waver, I love America. But America believes that her greatness is because of herself. No, her greatness is because of the God that made us great. And if we ever forget that, we've left the truth of this nation. There's liberal teachers Wicked teachers in our land today that's teaching our students, teaching our, our, uh, those that they teach to hate America, that America is, is not a Christian nation. It was founded on Christian principles. It was founded on this book. And that's what made America great. Not her educational system. The, her military does not make her great. Her, her educational system does not make her great. It's God Almighty that made America great today. But America has walked away from God. They've turned their back on God. They've, they've just, they, they disdain God. They hate God in this country now. They want him out of everything of this country stands for. They want him out of their educational system. They want him out of the court system. They want him out of the government. They want him out of the judicial halls. They want him out of everything. They want him out of every church. And they're doing a good job of getting him out of some churches. By God's grace, we'll keep him here. Amen. Because without Jesus, without Jesus Christ, it is not a church. Amen and amen. <clears throat> Nineveh was a great city, it says. 
They were great because of their history. They said that the history teachings of Nineveh tells us that it had great walls, some 100 feet high. The walls were so thick, were so wide that three chariots could run abreast down that on top of that wall. It was a great city. It was it was huge city. It contained, like I say, maybe over a million people in that city. But it was in a horrible condition. He said, their wickedness has come up before me. No doubt people looked at Nineveh with eyes of amazement. When men talked about Nineveh, they talked about the greatness with marvelous words. But God was watching them also. And his view was totally and very different from the world's view. It does not matter how many Oscars and accolades Hollywood gives its own. God's watching. It does not matter how the politicians praise those in their parties. God is watching. And God's view of things is always different than man's view of itself. In Luke chapter 16, 15, Jesus Christ said these words. He said, ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What, what man says is great and wonderful, God says is horrible. God had been watching the wickedness of Nineveh. And that wickedness had now come up before God. Oh, when the day comes that all the wickedness of America comes up before God. And he, he strikes out to bring total judgment on this land. It's going to be known as the time of great tribulation in this world. And may I say this, you don't want to be around when God exacts his wrath upon this world. God is a God that watches the wickedness of man. Their, his issue was their wickedness. Their wickedness had come up. But God was going to send a preacher to them. Their wickedness had come up in the eyes of God. They stank in the nostrils of God. But God is rich in mercy. God sent them a preacher. May I say this? The greatest thing that this world needs is not more, not more money, not more military might. But we need more preachers that will stand and proclaim the word of God to this generation, to this land of America. We need more preachers not tiptoeing through the tulips, but rearing back and preaching what thus saith the Lord. We need preachers. Preachers in this land to tell this world to get right with God. I was uh, down at Waycross every morning. We would eat there at the motel together as four preachers. Brother Leon, Brother Edward, Brother uh, Joe and myself. We would gather down there in the lobby. And they, that motel had a tremendous breakfast. I mean, anything you could desire, they had it there. And you could eat as much as you wanted. We'd gather around. And we would eat breakfast together. Then that night, we'd go to the huddle house and eat breakfast again. <laughs> I told him, I said, I ate eggs with you in the morning. I ate eggs with you at night. And, uh, but we had a great time. One, the very first night that we went to the huddle house, there was a man that came in. And he came over there and sat by me. And he, and he looked at my wife first and said, hey to her. Then he's. He said, is John here? And she pointed me out to him He's, and he came to me. We hugged one another. I knew him from, I knew him from school and uh, I began talking to him. 
had great, I'm talking about diamond rings on his fingers about that big. When you looked at this man, all you saw was the diamond rings on both hands. And uh, he sat there and I began to, I slipped over there, I slipped my chair over there at his table where he was sitting. And I began witnessing to him and, I'm, and I asked him, I said, I said, are you, are you in church? Are you? And then I went on to ask him if he was saved. And he said, I'm not certain about that. He said, I feel like maybe I am. But, and then I began giving him my testimony. I told him of how I was before I got saved. I said, I said, I was so lost. I was so, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was. I didn't even know why I was. I didn't know, I didn't know me. I didn't, I'd lost myself. And he looked at me and he said, I feel like I'm right there right now. And I began witnessing to him. And I said, I told him, I said, you need to get things right with God. I said, we're living in the last days. I said, you don't have time. You know what he told me he did? He played music in a bar. And he just come from that bar and came to the huddle house. Evidently, he comes there every night after he gets done singing in this bar, playing his guitar and, and singing his country music to those old drunks in that bar. And he told me, he said, he said, John, he said, I feel like I'm lost in this world. He said, I don't even know why I'm here. He said, I just came from a bar where I sing every night. And he began telling me about his story. And I told him, I said, get right with God. I said, Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ wants to save you. Jesus Christ wants to do something for your life. He wants to give you purpose in life. And he said, well, I'll think about it. People all over this world like that, they'd rather just live in their old ways, their old sinful ways, and just keep living without any kind of purpose in life. And there he was, just set the very next night we went back, there he was sitting in there. He's a married man, but you know what he was doing? Sitting in the very back this time, sitting in the back with a woman. And he never, he introduced me to the woman by name, but he never said, this is my wife. I took it to be that they weren't husband and wife the way he acted and they walked out of there together. May I say this, that God knows our wickedness. God knows what every one of us do. God sees the darkness and the light are the same to him. There's no shut door thick enough to keep his eyes away from what's going on. God knows. And the wickedness of Nineveh had come up before God. But what did he do? He called a preacher to go to him and preach to cry against them. He said, I want you to go preach to them. We better thank God for the preachers that are still preaching the cross and preaching the word of God. We better be thankful for the preachers who are still preaching about the blood. We better be thankful for the preachers who are still preaching that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And he is. We better be thankful for preachers who are still proclaim the word of God as it is. We don't need some Humpty Dumpty preachers. We need God's word preached to us today. The issue with God was their wickedness. The instructions of God was go and cry against it. He said, Jonah, he said, I got a mission for you. I want you to go and cry against this city. Their wickedness has come up before me. Go and cry against them the word that I give unto you. 
Every bit of this shows the love of God that he has toward us. I was living in deep sin. I was living a sinful, wicked life at the age of 29 years old. And God began dealing with my heart and showing me just how wicked I was. And in love, he came to me and showed me my condition that if I kept living that way, I'd die and go to hell. May I say this? We still need preachers preaching on hell. Hell has not cooled off. Hell has not gotten any smaller. Hell is gaining ground. And people that go there, the the Bible says that hell hath enlarged herself. There's a hell down uh, in the heart of the earth and people may doubt it. People may say, I can't even, I can't even believe in such a thing, but it does not matter what you believe or what you say about it. It matters what God's word says. And just as sure as there's a heaven, there's a hell in the heart of the earth. And, and God was going to send a preacher, was going to send Jonah down to Nineveh because he loved them that much. But we know what Jonah did. He tucked tail and ran. He thought he could run from the presence of God. The Bible says that Jonah went down to went down to the seaport, got him a ship, paid the fare thereof, and said that Jonah got on that ship to run from the presence of the Lord. May I say this? There's no such place in all of this universe, for God is everywhere. The Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 139, he said, Thou hast set me behind and before. Thou hast laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Whether, the question is asked, whether shall I go from thy spirit? Whether shall I flee from thy presence? He said this, if I send up into the heaven, thou there. He said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. He said, if I take the wings of the morning, he said, and dwell into the uttermost parts of the sea, he said, even there thy hand shall be. You're not going to go anywhere to get away from God. And I want to say this. You might have noticed I kind of emphasized it as I was reading the text. When Jonah began his flight from God, the Bible said that he went down. He went down. He went down. And there's no other direction when a person sets in their heart to run from God. There's no other direction you can go but down. And what we need to do is run toward God. We need to run to Him just as fast as we can go. You don't need to try to run from God. God is the only one who can bless your life. He's the only one. We who are saved are called to serve the Lord. And if you're running from God, from, your, from a call He's... He's speaking to your heart about it. You need to run toward him today. You need to surrender to him. You need to say yes to the bidding of God in your life. I remember when I was young, hadn't been saved very long, maybe just a few months old in the Lord. The Lord began dealing with my heart about preaching. And, and I didn't understand all of that concept of God. I didn't, I didn't understand God dealing with your heart or what didn't understand that kind of stuff i hadn't been saved long didn't know nothing about god 
I didn't even own a Bible when I got saved. But, but I went and bought a Bible, began reading that Bible, and God began dealing with my heart. I wanted God to use me. I would see those preachers get up behind the pulpit and begin proclaiming the Word of God. And boy, I was just fixated with them. I was just, my heart and mind was fixed on them. And uh, I would think, man, man, that'd have to be something to get up behind the pulpit and preach the Word of God. And I'd watch those men in amazement. And God began speaking to my heart. And God began uh, calling me to preach. And I'd think I'd get in my closet and I'd say, Oh God, I want you to use me. Oh God, I want you to, I want you to use my life whichever way you want to. And that thought of preaching would come up in my mind. I think, God, I can't do that. I'm too wicked. I remembered what I was before I got saved and I'd, I'd argue with God about it. I'd say, God, I cannot do that. I'm too much a sinner. One day was when I was in my closet, I was arguing with God about it. I said, God, I know me. There's no way you can use me. I said, God, I'm too wicked. I'm just too wicked of a man. And God, the Spirit of God, spoke to my heart that day. He said, if I use anybody, I use a sinner who's been saved by grace. That settled it for me. I qualified because I was sure enough a sinner but I was sure enough saved by grace. And I settled it with God that day. I came out of that closet knowing that God wanted me to preach the word of God. I remember the story of Billy Graham. Billy Graham had been off to seminary. And he said that in, this was 1949. Billy Graham said that he was going to seminary. And he said he got so confused in that seminary about the word of God. He said he, said he just... They, they just confused him about the book being the book, being the Word of God. And Billy Graham said he went out there one uh, moonlight, moonlit night and said he got, on, got beside a stump there in an open field. Said he laid that Bible out across that stump and he, and he told God, he said, God, I am so confused about this book. He said, the, the seminary professors tell, tell me that it's really not the Word of God. He said, but God, you're calling me to preach that Word. He said, if you're going to call me to preach that Word, I need to settle it right here, right now about that book. And he said, out in that open field, 1949, Billy Graham settled it between him and God that that book was the Word of God. Said he said he determined from that day forward to start preaching the Word of God. And God used Billy Graham in his early days to blaze across this country and in every continent of this world to preach the Word of God. And he had a passion to reach people with, with the Word, the, the message of Jesus Christ. Can I say this? That we, we need more men running to God. We don't need them running from God as Jonah did. Jonah thought he could run from God and get away from God. You'll not find such a place on planet earth trying to run from God. We need more that will run toward him. The only direction when you try to run from God is down. Down, down, down. God is the only one that can bless our lives. He paid the fare thereof, the Word of God says. Got on a ship and we went down. Down into the bottom of that ship. Disobedience 
Can I say this? Disobedience is not free. He paid the fare thereof and went down into that, into that uh, ship. He had his ticket in hand. Ticket in hand, he got storms, trials, perils, grief, captivity, fear, judgment. And soon he's going to find himself in a whale's belly. He paid the fare thereof. The damage, think about the damage he caused others. These, these men who owned this ship, they were in the same storm that Jonah was in because of Jonah, not because of themselves. They were in that ship, in that storm because of what Jonah had done. He was running from God. Can I say it like this? That our sins do affect others. People say, well, I don't think it's any of your business what I do. If it's affecting me, yes, it is. There's many a little child who has gone, who has gone without food in their belly and clothes on their back because daddy's drinking it up. Yes, their sin does affect others. Sin does hurt others. And Jonah's sin, he was a saved person. He was a servant of God. But yet his sin was affecting those men on that ship. His discernment was gone. He was in the bottom of that ship asleep and the storm raging all around him. He was down in the bottom. He didn't even, he didn't even feel, he didn't even know that the storm was raging and tempestuous, the Word of God says, around about him. I'll never forget the first time, sis, you come on to the piano. I'll never forget the first time I ever heard Jonathan Shook preach. They said that Jonathan, I didn't know this about Brother Jonathan. Brother Jonathan's been here and preached for us. <clears throat> but they said Brother Jonathan went a good while in his life after COVID and he got so depressed and so discouraged that he just quit preaching. He got out for a little while, but he's gotten back in and God's using his life again. But I'll never forget the first time I ever heard Jonathan Shook preach was over at Wahoo Baptist Church during a morning meeting. And he mentioned Jonah's life. And he mentioned how Jonah began running from God. He mentioned how Jonah disobeyed God and thought he could run from the presence of God. And he said these words. He said, I wonder how many people died and went to hell while Jonah was running from God. I thought, my word. I never thought about that. While Jonah was disobeying God, I wonder how many people in Nineveh died and went to hell. You see, God, I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that God wants to save every person. Can I get a witness right there? There's not a person in this room that God does not want to save. He wants to, he wants to save you through His Son, Jesus Christ. He sent His Son to die for your sins. They buried Him, but He got up the third day. He's alive today to save whosoever shall call upon His name. But I say this also. Not only do I believe God wants to save every person, God wants to use every saved, born-again child of God's life. He wants to use your life. He wants to use your life. We might say, well, I can't preach. And you may not. 
You say, well, I can't sing, and you may not can. Well, I can't play an instrument, you may not can. But there's something God has picked out for your life to do. It may be in some, it may be in some other fashion. It may be in prayer. I remember I was reminded while I was down in Waycross about a, a preacher man from this area. His name was Paul Cornett. Any of y'all remember Brother Paul Cornett? Brother Paul Cornett was a praying man. My soul alive. He'd be sitting in a meeting. I was in several meetings with Brother Paul Cornett. He'd be sitting on the front row. And then the Spirit of God get to welling up in him. Next thing you know, he'd raise him both them hands. He'd be going up and down them eyes. Holy, 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 holy. And he'd get to praising God and the whole place would get tore up with God. But you know why we would ask Brother Paul Cornett to come to our meetings? To pray. That man could get a hold of God and he'd pray and pray and pray and pray and he wouldn't turn loose of the horns of the altar till he knew God had showed up and answered his prayer. He would pray the power of God. I heard Billy Graham said this. I mention him a lot lately because I've been listening to a lot of his old, his first day sermons. You know what Billy Graham said? They asked Billy Graham, they said, Billy, what, why is your campaign such a success? He said, three reasons our campaigns are such a success. He said, number one, prayer. Number two, prayer. Number three, prayer. He said, that's why our campaigns are such a success. Oh, we need to pray like we've never prayed before. There's some of you that could get a hold of God in prayer and pray and pray and pray and beg God to meet with us and beg God to do something in our midst. And that'd be a ministry that God has given you. Oh, there's all kind of things that God could use our lives to do. It's not just preaching behind a pulpit that God needs. This thing called ministry is big. It's huge. There's things that we've got two men, Brother Marty and Brother Tim Mitchell, that go every Sunday and preaches to men incarcerated. I talked to a woman down in, in Waycross. <clears throat> no, I talked to a fella down in Waycross who had been incarcerated at one time in his life. He's out now doing great. And I talked to him about that night. I was speaking to him about it and I guess it was a year or so ago that he and another man he was in jail with called me one day and they called me. They would, they met up with each other in prison together and they began talking. They found out that they both knew me. One of them's name was Alan. Little Alan, when he was a little boy, he just took a liking to me and I took a liking to him. I'd carry Alan on camp meetings with me. Me and Alan would, would go to camp meetings together. I would pray for little Alan that God would use his life. Little Alan got out in, in the world and got a taste of what the world's got to offer. And the world turned his life inside out. Alan and this other fella called me one day and began talking to me. And they had some some bit of ray of hope in their life. And one of them got out, but one of them is still in prison. Matter of fact, he got out and went back into prison. This other fellow told me because 
of sin. Can I say this? I don't care who you are or what you what you're doing in life. The greatest thing any one of us could do is serving Jesus Christ. He's got something for you to do. He's got something on a platter and he's offering it to him and say, would you do this for me? Please do this for me. As we stand across this auditorium this morning, Jonah, think about what God had to do to be sympathetic to Nineveh. Look at all that God's having to go through just to show his kindness to a city called Nineveh. We know from the rest of the story that Nineveh repented and got right with God in one of the greatest revivals ever recorded in the history of this book happened that day in in Nineveh. But look at all that God's having to go through. He's got a preacher that's on the run, that's running just as hard as he can from God. He will not go with the message. He will not obey God. And God has got to now put him in a whale's belly. And he's going to be there for three days and three nights, spit out on the land. And then again, commission before he'll get the message to Nineveh. God has to go through a lot to get his sympathy revealed to people. Just to get the gospel to people, God has to go through a lot. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Is God, is God trying to show His sympathy to you today to be saved? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God so loved you that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. He shed His blood. They beat Him beyond recognition. He hung on a cruel cross. And He hung there in shame. Your shame. He hung there and became your sin. And he hung there and became you, hanging on a cross. He died. We buried him. He got up the third day. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to save your life. He did all of that for your soul because he loves you. Are you here this morning, God wanting you to do something in life? Why God stirred my heart to preach this message, I don't know. But I know God stirred my heart to preach it to this crowd this morning. God's got a message for you. There may be someone here this morning say, Preacher, I know I need Jesus in my life. And here's my hand. Here's my hand right now, Preacher. Please pray for me. Anybody in this room, slip your hand up and right back down. Just slip your hand up, Preacher. I'm being honest with myself. And I'm being honest before God right now. Preacher, I know I need Jesus in my life. Here's my hand. Would there be one this morning? One this morning. God bless you, son. Would there be one, another one this morning? Preacher, I know that's me. I need Jesus. I'm here because I need Jesus. I didn't just come to this church just to, just to say I went to church. I came here because I need Jesus in my life now. I know I do. Preacher, here's my hand. I'm just asking you to do this just to, just to get you honest with yourself, honest with God. Preacher, I know I need Jesus in my life. Here's my hand. Here's my hand between me and you, preacher. Here's my hand. 
Anybody at all. Anybody. Anybody. Just slip your hand up real quickly and right back down. Nobody's looking but me and the Lord. Preacher, I know I need Jesus. I know I need Him. How many of you would say this morning, Preacher, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But I'm not doing everything I could for Him. God's been dealing with me about something. Preacher, I know I need to just start running to God about it. I don't need to run from Him. I need to run toward Him. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. People are already raising their hands around this auditorium. I need to run toward Jesus in my life. One day you're going to stand before Jesus at that judgment bar of Jesus. And you're going to give an account of your life to Him. Oh, you may be having a good time right now. But in the end, you're going to stand before Him. Could we find ourselves across these altars this morning as she just plays? And just talk to Him about whatever it is this morning. All across this auditorium, could we find ourselves to come? Kneel at this altar and just talk to Jesus. Whatever He's speaking to your heart about. Whatever it is that Jesus is speaking to you about right now. Would you come and just talk to Him about it? Oh, I'd be concerned about myself if I was standing here and I could not hear the voice of God. If I didn't feel like God was speaking to me this morning, I'd be concerned about myself. God's voice is big. God's voice is is still and is small. and, And God's voice will speak to you if you'll let Him speak. God's got something He wants to say to you this morning. Would you be willing to come? Just come right now. Let Him have His way with your life. Whatever it is this morning, let Him have His way with your heart and your life. Surrender to Him. Say, Lord, I'm giving it all to You right now. I'm going to be what You want me to be. I'm going to do what You want me to do. Jesus, I'm Yours. Here I am. Use my life. You cannot try to, you cannot keep hiding from the Lord cannot keep running from the Lord. God's too big a God in your life to keep running. Would you be willing to come right now and just surrender to Him? How about it this morning? Are you saved? That's the first step with Jesus. Knowing that you're saved. Knowing that you've come to Him and said, Lord, He saved me. Repenting of your sins and turning your life to Jesus. Asking Him to make a difference in your life. He'll save whosoever. And He'll use whosoever. If you'll come to Him. If you'll come to Him.